This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shops, the Spectator's daily and sometimes more than daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and James Forsyth. There is a chance we have a new Prime Minister uh, by tomorrow tea time. Fraser, does it look as though we are heading towards a coronation or actually could this drag out for a little bit longer? I think any scenario is still possible. There are so many multiples. Nobody knows who's telling the truth. And nobody knows if Boris Johnson does, as his team claim, have 100 nominations. If he does, then he will be in the final two. uh, And it will go to the members. I can't see how it can't. But then again, if he's bluffing, and if he doesn't, I mean, remember, right now we've got, I think, 59 uh, MPs have named for Boris. So why would the other 41, if they exist, all be anonymous? You can see why, you know, 10 of them might be anonymous, but 40 of them, it sounds a bit of a stretch. So if Boris Johnson can't get to the final, um, can't get 100 nominations, that means only one candidate will, that's Rishi Sunak. Penny Mordaunt is looking pretty miserable, about 25 nominations. So if only one candidate gets the nominations, then that's it. He'll be um, in number 10 by lunchtime and watching EastEnders on the number 10 television by 7.30. Um, But, of course, what we don't know is there are something like 150 Tory MPs who haven't given their allegiance. They will be voting for somebody. So I think right now we're giving intriguing indications, but I'm not going to make too many sort of firm conclusions yet. I still think anything could happen in this race. James, Boris Johnson met with Rishi Sunak last night and it's quite clear it didn't lead to the pair deciding to have a pact or, you know, a joint ticket. But since then, Boris Johnson has spoken to his core base of MPs where he's saying, you know, he wants to get the party back together, the parliamentary party, wants to get the band back together. And he's ready to welcome lots of figures into his government, forget grudges and learn from his mistakes. That said, why hasn't Boris Johnson declared yet if he's so adamant that he wants to be the next prime minister? Yeah, I think that is an interesting question. I think it's also striking, as you say, Katie, how how kind of civilised this contest has been so far. One of the things that, if I was Boris Johnson, would be weighing on my mind is this, is there is a tweak to the rules this time round, which means that the final two uh, candidates picked by the parliamentary party will run off against each other before going to the membership. So Boris Johnson might be in a place where he can get 100 nominations but he might not be able to go that much higher than that. So he would face a scenario where he would go to the membership uh, with a clear majority of the parliamentary party having voted for Rishi Sunak. Now, I should obviously say that I've known, known Rishi for years. I think the point there is that it is a very difficult thing in the Westminster system to lead your party if a clear majority of your MPs wanted somebody else. And so I think the dilemma for Boris Johnson is maybe he can get to 100, but I think, it's, I, think, I think even his firmest advocates would suggest it's a stretch to think he can get to 180, which would be a majority of the parliamentary party. So what does he do? Does he really want to go into a members' contest with uh, a, a, clear ma- a, a clear majority of MPs arranged against him on the other side? And then how stable would the government be if he became prime minister in those circumstances? 
rephrase it. If Boris Johnson wants to really just press on, it seems as though he could well scrape 100 MPs. He clearly, he clearly hasn't come back to a party that is desperately calling his name. Um, but he could, from his core base, scrape up to 100. Then the membership, there seems to be, you know, the view of Boris Johnson back is, is the membership will pick Boris Johnson. So if he really wants this and he doesn't care about how difficult Parliament will be or he thinks everyone will just fall into line, do you think actually Boris Johnson is, is underpriced despite all the talk of Rishi Sunak surging ahead? I think Boris Johnson is certainly capable of going for this anyway um, and asking for the, the members to overrule the MPs. The risk there is that the members, and we all know that you know, the opinion polls show that Boris was more popular than Rishi by about a margin of, of three to two. But if the members also see that Boris is you know, really not liked by his party, that the, the MPs say they were, it's quite possible the MPs could be three to one for Rishi against Boris. Now, if the members have that information, would they still vote to send Boris to be the leader of the MPs, knowing the calamity this would cause? Well, we need to remember that Boris quits last time, not because, as Nadim Zahawi rather absurdly claims today, he did it for the good of the country. He quit because there were something like 50-odd ministerial resignations from his government, and he couldn't find the MPs to make up the numbers anymore. Such was the extent of the refusal of his party to work with him that the whole thing became dysfunctional. Now, I, can't, I really cannot see why you wouldn't get the same situation happening yet again. And that's why I think we shouldn't necessarily assume that the members, even though they might prefer Boris as a campaigner, think he'd be the best person to lead the party if that party emerges to be very strongly against him. James, do you think that Boris Johnson will have some of his uh, you know, supporters making this point to him? It's interesting looking at the number of MPs who are publicly backing Boris Johnson. If you look at some of those names, they very much are the true believers. Whereas um, figures, uh, you know, some, you know, obviously quite a few MPs yet to declare, but it feels like, for example, Grant Shapps, yes, he backed Rishi Sunak during the summer, but he's always been a Boris Johnson loyalist. He's come out for Rishi Sunak. David Frost, he's backed Rishi Sunak on the right. Steve Baker on the right of the party is back to Rishi Sunak. Um, so do, do you think there are some natural Boris Johnson supporters who are trying to point out that the tide may not be in his favour this time? Yeah, and I think if you look at Charles Moore's column in The Telegraph on Saturday, you know, Charles Moore, it was Boris Johnson's editor at The Telegraph, someone who Boris Johnson has a lot of respect for, uh, and someone who has always supported Boris Johnson in his political career. He's saying, like, look, this is not the right time. And I think there is a question of, what kind of crisis this is. In 2019, it was a parliament was deadlocked and the whole crisis was about Brexit and could this country deliver on that referendum result? And Boris Johnson was the politician who could break that deadlock, who could uh, take the air out of the Brexit party balloon, you know, put the Tory party reali- and, and bring together that 2016 Leave coalition to deliver a thumping Tory majority in 2019. The crisis today is all about economics and maintaining market confidence and willingness to take very tough choices. I- I'm not sure that is a that is a kind of Boris Johnson crisis. And I think the other question is, what does he want his legacy to be? At the moment, he could be, you know, the 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 man who delivered Brexit, who put together a new Tory electoral coalition in 2019 and was proved right about Ukraine. 
Or if he kind of persists and goes all the way through to the members round, he could be the person who kind of causes the most mighty smash up inside the Tory party. So I think that that has to be a factor with him. I also think that, the, as you say, Katie, I thought the Grant Shapps move was very interesting because Grant Shapps, you know, ran the numbers for Boris Johnson's leadership bid, kind of ran the numbers for Boris Johnson during some of Boris Johnson's most difficult moments. The fact he is backing somebody else, I think, is an interesting tell that Boris World is not united in the view that this is a good idea. Now, we've had more endorsements today. Um, James Cleverly, the Foreign Secretary, has come out for Boris Johnson. Um, in many ways, a Boris Johnson loyalist and somebody who's quite critical of Rishi Sunak uh, during the summer leadership contest. Nadim Zahori has also come out for Boris Johnson. Um, didn't always think it was such a good idea for Boris Johnson to be Prime Minister, but here we are. And then we have Suella Braveman. I think perhaps this is the most surprising and the most significant in the sense that Suella Braveman, darling of the Tory right, is backing Rishi Sunak. And that fits into a bit of a pattern. Steve Baker, Cammy Badenock have done the same, which suggests the right of the party isn't actually moving to Boris Johnson the way I think his supporters had hoped. A lot of people, like, for example, Liz Truss, perhaps Quasi Quartang, would think, look, there's no way that we're going to do well under the Rishi Sunak regime. So let's, um, let's bank Boris Johnson. And I think we can see a lot of that. I think we can see element of that in Nadim Zahawi as well. Um, I mean, it's funny that I'm, I'm in a WhatsApp group of other, um, other writers who basically are very um, keen or admirers of Nadim Zahawi. And everybody is dismayed at what Nadim's done here. I mean, it was only, in, um, only three months ago he was sending an open letter to Boris Johnson saying, look, um, you need to resign now because the country deserves... Uh, stability of government, it deserves high moral standards. I mean, that was an indictment about Boris Johnson as a leader. And now he's telling us that the country deserves Boris Johnson. So having, you know, first of all, accepted to be Boris's chancellor, then told him to resign in the space of something like 48 hours last time, that was a damaging U-turn for those who like and admire Nadim and wanted to be remembered for his vaccine procurement success. But to U-turn yet again, it doesn't you know, erase the original U-turn. It simply makes it look doubly as absurd. So I think you are going to get some people who, for whatever reason, conclude that their um, that their only chance of staying in the front bench is under Boris and therefore back Boris. I've had another thought, by the way, about why there might be more shy um, uh, Boris voters. Let's say you're an MP in your constituency; they're all for Boris, but you yourself don't want to declare for Boris, you think it'd be a disaster, then I can see why you wouldn't put your name in any of his lists. You would stay anonymous. Something like 150 Tory MPs have not declared their hand yet, which is a little bit odd. Now, that's one explanation. The other explanation is that you think that Boris Johnson might be a disaster for the government, perhaps even the country, but he's more likely to win you your seat in a general election, in which case you would keep quiet and your vote for Boris would forever be a kind of dirty secret that nobody would haul you up for. So that might explain why so many, I think 40% of the Tory party MPs, have not said who they're going to vote for. And, And just finally on that phrase there, if tomorrow, and Boris Johnson supporters obviously claiming that 100 figure, they're not out publicly, um, but they are insisting it is the case, and there are lots of undeclared. So if Boris Johnson does hit 100 and he decides to go for this, do you think the membership will, will back him in now it becomes inevitable or actually are we misjudging the membership? No, I think it is 50-50 um, because the membership 
very easily portrayed as being swivel-eyed loons, as being, you know, basically psychos who sit at home with a picture of Boris Johnson above their bed. And that's not how I see it at all. I think the Tory party members are capable of asking what is going to be the best look for our the Tory government, a government which, by the way, could, if it wants to, keep going until January 2025. That's quite some time left. Um, and what is going to be the best for the country. So there'll be a whole bunch of issues. And right now we're placing a lot of weight on an opinion poll. And these opinion polls are never very good at pinpointing Tory members' opinion. They claim to be, but I, I rather doubt it. We're placing a lot of weight on those opinion polls that placed Boris first in a multi-candidate election without any of the intervening knowledge. Since then, we've had almost all of Boris's original backers say they're not going to back him this time. David Frost, one of his former closest political allies, has said they couldn't back him. I think Tory party members will take that into account and ask themselves how practically viable a Boris premiership is. I mean, remember, Tory party members are supposed to be distinguished by their ruthlessness in picking winners. And right now, I think Boris's claim to be a winner has never been less credible. I think there is just one interesting thing, which is worth noting in the Sunday Telegraph today, um, which is there's a Comrades poll of Tory councillors, which has the two essentially level. It's 48% Sunak, 45% Johnson. And I mean, that is interesting because those polls of councillors are often quite a good guide to where the membership is going to end up. So I, I think that that is something that is just worth keeping an eye on. Though, James, wasn't there a Tory councillor poll during the summer leadership contest which suggested the race was much tighter than the other membership polls? I, I, I seem to remember that that poll, and, and correct me when I go wrong... I mean, that was about 55-45 trust, which was not that far off what the result ended up being. And the result was, what, 57-43? So not dramatically different. Thank you, James. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening.